It's Q&A time. You know what time it is. 101st episode. And I am really looking forward to the years ahead. Should extend this all the way up to 2025 if my predictions currently are accurate. Uh, you know, because I think it's very important weekly to come on here onto the airwaves, answer your burning questions, your uh, concerning inquiries. The reason I conduct my comics via mail order primarily, of course, is because I think it, it allows for the best, most clear, concise communication possible. Not necessarily concise. I've gotten some letters that are pretty long, but nonetheless, I understand that for the sake of convenience, it's important to open a direct line of communication between myself and the consumer. So, we have Vachion, and we have uh, back on the Q&A. Have you been on the Q&A before? I forget. Splorf. Old participant here on the Nicholas comic server. Uh, can't really hear anything there. Uh, that was uh, Smash Mouth. Then the morning comes. One of their best. Uh, we'll open up with Vachier. You got some questions. Have Hello. <coughs> yes. Um, what's hey, your favorite? Here, kind of uh, <clears throat> say again. What What's your favorite like? condiment slash sauce slash gravy uh weird Ooh, that's an question, that's an interesting uh, question uh there are a lot i mean i've tried a lot of sauces i've tried a lot of hot sauces uh, particularly being here in colorado there's a lot of great hot sauces to choose from and uh, not so many barbecue sauces i find that's more of a southern type thing Every city has their own type barbecue, like, oh, I'm from uh, Austin, this is the Austin-style barbecue, this is the Tennessee-style barbecue. Uh, we don't really have that here in Colorado, there's not really a Denver-style barbecue sauce. Um, out, of every, out of every type sauce, I'd have to say the one that springs to mind, and the one that revolutionized, uh, one that really switch things up as far as civilization goes, so much you can practically divide history into before it and after it, uh, would be ketchup. I think ketchup is uh, a necessary thing to have. I, I, I can't even begin to imagine what uh, history would have looked like if we hadn't had ketchup. Um, in fact, there, there's an interesting opening line from Jules Pfeiffer's uh, Veil of Tears book, uh, Barrel of Laughs, Veil of Tears, um, where he mentions that, like, ketchup hadn't been invented in medieval times, and I just think about that a lot, like, how miserable people must have been back then. And not to have ketchup, it's great on hamburgers, good on hot dogs, it's good on french fries, good on just about everything. And, uh, yeah, I think ketchup is a, is a really necessary, uh, invention. Definitely my favorite condiment by far. Um, I, I think, uh, it doesn't get much more essential than ketchup. I think you can put ketchup on just about anything and have it taste good. It's it's even a component of barbecue sauce. So you wouldn't even have barbecue sauce really without ketchup, and I th I think that's interesting. Any next question? 
I've got some exciting stuff coming up in the month ahead. But uh, any other questions as of now? What What's your favorite um, <clears throat> plant or living organism that isn't an animal? Oh, that isn't an animal. Um. I mean, I've heard a lot about fungi. They're particularly popular these days, have been ever since the 1970s, of course. Um, fungi's fantastic because it's an entirely separate kingdom from plants. There's five kingdoms altogether of uh, living organisms, at least of which we know. Um, but, uh, of course, fungi isn't really specific enough because it's such a diverse kingdom, easily as diverse as plants. And... What's interesting about fungi is we haven't even discovered them all. We, we, we know a lot more about plants than we do fungi, which explains probably why a lot of amateur hobbyists have taken up mycology in the past uh, decade or so. As for my favorite plant, uh, there are a lot of exciting garden vegetables that uh, I'm, I'm particularly fond of. Uh, I like corn, I like uh, tomatoes, beans... Uh, I've grown a lot of these, obviously. Uh, I, I, I have to say corn. I think corn is like the the best vegetable uh, in terms of, uh, you know, harvest potential, in terms of uh, staying power, in terms of cultural relevance. Everyone likes corn. I've never seen someone who's offered a nice, uh, fresh, delicious corn on the cob and gone, I don't want that. Uh, everyone likes corn on the cob. Everyone likes corn. I, I don't. I don't want corn on the cob. I would not like. Oh, corn you don't. On the cob. That that explains a lot. It's it's um, it's an inefficient food to eat because you've got oh, to like you, you can't just shove it in your face. You've got to like pick it off the cob. So yeah, there's I'm nothing not inefficient about that. Um, it's very inefficient. That, that's it, it that's takes, how you eat. I mean, if you ever eat, far far longer to eat it. Have you ever eaten ribs? Foods. It's the same way you eat ribs. You know. I mean, with ribs, though, if, you cook, if you cook them nicely, the, the bones will just come right off. Whereas Not really, you, you still much, have to lift more them up and eat them off the bone. You the still have to eat them the up and lift them off the bone. Um, you have to lift them and chew I mean, them. The ratio from, of so bone to meat... That's a normal way to eat. The, the um, bone-to-meat ratio on ribs is far, far better than the cob-to-corn ratio on corn on the cob. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, here in here in Colorado, we have Olathe corn, which is like the best possible variety. It's, it's a very honor to... Colorado crop, um, and it's insanely plentiful. Uh, I, I'd say another component of corn's uh, appeal is, of course, that it's vegan. Uh, like at a barbecue or something, if there's steak yeah, the, the, and there's the pork sad, chop. The sad, sad people who go to a barbecue and are vegan, they get a really oh, no, like, no, you shit, can have they coleslaw. get a shit food like corn. You can have coleslaw. Like, there's there's beans. You know, beans are vegan. Uh, you can you can have corn. Maybe as as a as a British fellow, because I'm I'm assuming you're from uh, from Britain based on your accent there. Perhaps. I don't think I've ever heard it before. Uh, maybe you don't understand like the the cultural relevance of corn and the American crops that pretty much uh, kept an entire you know, five generations sustained since the discovery of the New World. You know, over in Europe, they used to think tomatoes were poisonous. Uh, so they didn't eat them for like a hundred years. And that was a big mistake because tomatoes are fucking delicious. But, you know, prior to the New World um, and the conception of America, we didn't have a, a... Europeans, that is, didn't have tomatoes, potatoes, corn. 
you imagine Italy without tomatoes, without that delicious spaghetti sauce and lasagna? Uh, all they had was, like, festering medieval rot. And uh, it sure is a good thing that America had a plentiful bounty of fresh new vegetables that were tasty and easy to grow. But I get it, you know, perhaps over in Britain that's not as prevalent, the, uh, the celebration and enjoyment of some uh, tasty vegetables. Uh, like fresh I, I just, I just think it's not a very efficient food to eat because it, it's, you know, it's just this, this thing that's coated in food that you can eat, but you've got to kind of pick it off with your teeth, and I don't really understand why you'd choose to do that. Um, well, you know, maybe over in Britain they don't have, like, summer barbecues and picnics and the like, so you don't really understand the atmosphere and joy of such an event. I mean, but they, they do. There, there, are better, there are better vegetables that you can do the exact same thing with in terms of barbecuing. You know, like stuffed, um, stuffed peppers, for example, is, you know, you can barbecue those, they're very quite nice. And yeah, maybe that's more common they, over in Britain, but here in America, corn reigns supreme, and it always will. Um, there are so many products that are impossible to have without corn. High fructose corn syrup, there's one. Uh, I'm a big fan of high fructose corn syrup. Because I think, you know, quite frankly, uh, corn's a pretty good source of sugar. And uh, it's way better than, like, those fucking artificial sweeteners you see in coffee shops and the like, like Sweet and Low or whatever. I would trust high fructose corn syrup over one of those any day. Nicholas, yeah, like aspartame or whatever. I've, I've heard that only the Antichrist will support corn syrup. Something yeah, I've maybe maybe that's truth. the case over in Britain, but here in America, I mean, corn syrup is a respectable industry, and I respect. I mean, any is, corn is it respectable though? What what's, what's respectable about it? It's it's natural. It's made out of corn, so I trust it. I mean, it's, it's just raw sugar, not more natural. Not really. They're both plants. I mean, I trust corn as much as I do raw sugar as far as sources but of does, sugar go. They both have a ton of sugar the syrup in them. from the corn require a lot more processing than it does to just get I'll sugar say, from I'll sugar say beef. this, right? I'll, I'll say this. Uh, corn syrup makes you fatter, and it's a lot more sweet, but in terms of, like, if I'm making, you know, a delicious cake or something... Uh, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't, I would have no qualms about going with corn syrup. If I'm eating unhealthy junk food, uh, there's nothing wrong with having corn syrup. Now, is that to say I wouldn't use stevia or something? No, I'd use stevia. I mean, stevia is a fine source of sugar. It tastes okay, you know, if it's gotten from agave or tequila or whatever. But as far as corn syrup go, I really see no issues with that. And I think only, like, uh, you know, definitely... Nowhere in America do we have any issues with corn syrup. It's perfectly allowed under the uh, FDA guidelines. I think it's a great source of sugar. Uh, corn corn is used in a ton of stuff. It's, you know, cornbread. You got... Uh... The other day I was thinking about, like, how many recipes use corn and, like, require corn. And it's pretty crazy. Corn starch... So many basic products that you can't take for granted, but corn really is a staple. I'd argue corn does for America what uh, rice has done for Asia. It really is a staple crop, chief staple crop of the Americas. So do you just wake up in the morning and so, eat yeah, a I'd bowl have... of corn? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I can name like five times in the past week I've just had a delicious of frozen corn, you know, pop it in the microwave, put some salt and pepper and butter on it, it's fucking delicious, and it's absolutely a staple crop, uh, much like potatoes. 
um, or rice, like I said, or you know, just basic grain. But corn is a grain. So, so do you and, eat uh, it like, probably... like cereal? Like do you put a corn? Like put corn? Yeah, I'd you say have like a bowl corn of like corn on the cereal. And like, yeah, corn syrup, I mean, like cereal. it's deep husk corn. I'd say, I'd say, on average, I eat corn more than I do cereal because there aren't that many cereals I like. And on average, you know, if I get them like Lucky Charms or whatever, it runs out pretty fast. Those those bags are pretty small. But uh, corn, there's a substantial meal. Like I can just eat a bowl of corn instead of eating, you know, uh, a hamburger or something, and uh, it feels satisfying. Corn feels satisfying. It's it's a real staple crop, a real comfort food. And uh, for that reason, I'd argue corn is probably my favorite on human organism. Um, it, it is a non-animal organism. Uh, it's insanely easy to grow. I've seen, I've seen videos have, have of, you ever of grown like, time lapses of corn growing. Yeah, yeah, I've grown it. It's, it's really easy. It's probably one of the easiest vegetables to grow. The reward is huge. You just plant a few kernels, and holy shit, it just comes up, and it's wild. Uh, and it's absolutely delicious. Corn is great. I mean, maybe over in Britain, you know, where the weather is always foggy and rainy, you don't exactly have the correct uh, temperature and climate. Uh, you can grow corn. corn. You can grow corn in England. Yeah, well, not a lathe of corn. Here in Colorado, corn is big business, along with peaches, apples, and the like. Um, yeah, I'd say those are our main exports. Corn. Uh, we have onions, too. Onions are pretty good here. I, st uh, I still corn, don't understand peaches. the concept of corn on the cob, though. Maybe not because you're not American, could, so you wouldn't you understand it. The same me. way I wouldn't really understand, like, you know, uh, balut or whatever, because what? I'm not I'm not Asian. But um, you know, I mean, people do eat uh, cooked duck eggs with the fetus still inside. So, you know, what do I, mean, I that's know? Just people a two eat in different one, things, like animal meat and egg at the same time. It's like a deal. Not really. There's not really any egg. It's just like a little duck fetus. Yeah, you, you it's yeah, pretty some, gross. It's, 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 it's just pretty a two gross, and, one, like, and I don't deal. understand it, but I wouldn't really expect to understand it. It's probably an inefficient food, too. Food doesn't always need to be efficient. Sometimes it I, can just I, be enjoyable. I much prefer it when food is efficient to eat, you know? I don't like, I do that not like picking... I imagine the daily life of, of food of, off of a cob. The daily life in Britain is a bit more utilitarian, a, a, a little less... Uh, a little less hedonistic, as it were. Here in America, we value hedonism and kind of a, a devil-may-care attitude, a kind of rogue sensibility that's defined us ever since 1776, so. I mean, you... Anyway. You'd have to eat a lot uh, of, like, cobs to kind of fill yourself up, and it would take you quite a while of, like, picking it off. Oh, no, not really. I mean, one cob's enough for me. It has, like... I'm, I'm a hungry, hungry boy. So maybe I need you've just never seen a, a Colorado Olathe and maybe corn, I like a corn really, really great, and big and huge, and full of plump, juicy, uh, delicious kernels. But uh, here in America, corn grows big. It's a land of corn. Anywho, uh, next question: uh, Do you have a favorite uh, pen or a favorite type of pen? That is um, a great question. Uh, now, back in the day, like with my comics, like college buddies, obviously I did that in mechanical pencil. I'm still not averse to doing a comic in mechanical pencil. Uh, Shane of the Undead was in mechanical pencil. That came out more recently. I think mechanical pencil can give an interesting look, particularly with the uh, applicability of shading. 
Uh, but for my recent comics, especially uh, Divine Tapestry, which of course is kind of mixed media, so you got some pen and pencil in there. Uh, but especially for something I'm working on currently, and uh, Hypnagogic Archive Exploiters of Time, I've been using exclusively the Uniball Sino 0.7mm 207 pin. This is a great pin. Now, originally I ran across it just like at 7-Eleven, and I just bought a pack, and I was like, oh, this is just some random pin. But then I realized, like, holy shit, this thing has an incredible line. It has a really nice thickness to it, a really nice clarity that I don't think I've seen in other pins, like from Bic or... Or whatever so I've just been using the uniball sino pin um, there's two varieties there's the 207 regular which has pretty good ink like really good high quality ink but it skips a little and has kind of a more rough look which I'm kind of fond of in a way um, and then there's the 207 plus which is for when you want completely uh, unbroken straight lines it is quite possibly the best most clear pin I've ever used I'm pretty sure it is and uh, if I, I've always said this, you know, I'm not really one for, like, owning five different types of pins or 20 different types of brushes. I think that's kind of snobby. I think it's kind of elitist. Um, I, I like having just basic, minimal, essential materials. Uh, but in terms of uh, the Uniball pin, I don't even think it's made for, like, or specifically, it's just made for, like, writing. Uh, but it's a really great pin. I highly recommend it for anyone in the market for a good pin. They come in packs of four, typically, and uh, I, I can ch churn out, like, around 25 pages of comics with uh, just one. Maybe that's hyperbolic, around 10 pages, pretty much. And uh, it's a really good pen, and I highly recommend it. I'd have to say, yeah, 207 Plus is definitely my favorite over this past year. Not that I've tried any other ones, but as far as pins go, I think uh, pretty good question what do you think about like um <clears throat> i think they're called like water no they're not like uh waterfall pens they're not called waterfall pens what well, like, the pens with the fancy nibs fountain oh I, yeah i've fountain heard of pens. those uh fountain pen fountain pens right fountain pens fountain pens this is interesting in that this is the basis for one of my main qualms with uh, george orwell in his book 1984 which is an absolute steaming pile of dog shit i've been over it um, the main character, Winston, uh, in the opening scene, he has a fountain pen. And he's like, wow, this is so cool and so old-fashioned. And these days, we only have these diabolical ink pencils. Because uh, I guess back in George Orwell's time, they weren't called uh, ballpoint pens. They were called ink pencils, which really doesn't make any sense. A uh, ballpoint pen. Or maybe he just calls them that. I don't know, because he uses moron language, so... Obviously, it's not the most clear as to what he means, but I think he means ballpoint pens. Um, you know, because back in 1950, when this uh, this shit compendium was written, uh, ballpoint pens were like a new invention. And being a technophobe who's completely averse to everything new, George Orwell, of course, was like, Oh, shit, uh, those ballpoint pens are controlled by Big Brother, and I need a fountain pen. Ballpoint pens and, uh, I just are a Jewish really invention used to control the population. Everyone knows that. Everyone, everyone fucking knows that, okay? I, I wouldn't agree with that. I'm pretty sure they're a European invention. Um, like along with the printing press in medieval times. Um, as for fountain pens... 
uh, and quill pins. I think uh, they're both pretty stupid. I've never used either. Um, I've never used a fountain pen in my life. I've never felt compelled. And again, that's the kind of pen that some like really. Oh, I, um, I I go to art school, you know, some kind of elitist asshole all, would all buy. Really oh, I have I have fifty fountain pens. I have a set of ten professional fountain pens, and I have this jar of ink here, and I dip it gingerly in. Um, that's really stupid. I think ballpoint pens give the most modern look. They give a really timeless, classy look, and they can produce incredible image quality. And like I said, with the 207 Plus, this thing never skips. It never skips once, so you don't get any skips, you don't get any drips, you don't get any mess. I mean, there is a little bit of drip when, like, you're drawing a line, for instance. It can be very cla it, it can look very good. You can change the line thickness and width and variation, all kinds of shit, if you have good hand-eye coordination and a lot of technique behind you. Um... But as far as fountain pens go, I've never felt the need to use one, and I certainly wouldn't get one because George Orwell wants me to. Uh, I think fountain pens are stupid. I think quill pens, you know, like they're a very rudimentary, fun-type technology. Like, I've whittled before, you know, I, I've like whittled a, a stick into a spear or whatever, and that can be pretty fun, um, and it can be a, a good way to pass the time. In the same way... Like, I've considered taking one of the feathers from my chickens and, like, you know, using it as a quill pin. That could be kind of charming and, and wacky. But I've never gone, like, yeah, I'll draw all my comics with the chicken feathers from now on. That's not going to happen, you know. Um, ballpoint pins are where it's fucking at. All, all you need, as far as all you need for writing is a majority of cow's blood. Yeah, that's what they used to use. I mean, I, I don't I know exactly what the composition is If you require anything more, you are rather elitist, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I don't know what I don't know what the uh, I don't know what the uh, composition of ink used to be. I do know a lot of people have mislabeled me as a technophobe while simultaneously worshiping uh, George Orwell and reading 1984, who is perhaps the biggest technophobe of all time. That book is full of regressive ideas that, if executed, would send us back into the fucking Stone Age. But uh, that's an insult to cavemen, back into medieval times. Um, but as far as I know, adopting ballpoint pins over fountain pins is a pretty progressive at attitude and really the, signals the, like a paradigm shift. The, th the thing with that, though, um, because yeah. fountain pens... Uh, the in modern in modern times they call them fountain pens but um the majority of fountain pens that you can buy now that you don't have to dip them into the ink it's really just the nib um that's the i mean how does shape. the ink come out how does it, the ink it, come out it comes out um it's quite hard to describe really it comes out in so a way quite... that's i i mean I would suggest as, that you try you push, uh, a modern fountain pen. So ridiculously scratchy, I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine butchering paper up with one of these knives that just has metal on the end. I mean, I mean maybe what, it's a more popular thing over in Britain. The the thing that the thing that you have to do with uh, fountain pens, though, is they are quite inconvenient at first, but. You have to spend, um, like, after a couple of minutes just drawing lines with it, they become really easy. Right, right. See, um, that's what I, that's what I'm against, the adoption of technique. I'm, against, I, I, I'm for a utility. I'm for 
convenience and practicality, and that's why ballpoint pens, I assume, are more common here in America. Truly, Lots of editorial cartoonists usually. The most I don't even see many comics that are done in would it. Would be not to utilize any kind of instrument for drawing. Would just use your fingers and ink, um, because you you know you don't need anything else aside from just ink, and you can get. No, it's not really precise. You can feel, I mean, you can get it pretty precise. You could um, shave down your nails to make. Oh, a you, you really can. You could grow them out. You really, you down. really can't. And dip it in ink, that's and awful. you can draw with that. Not that would be. That's the same reason I have a tricycle instead of a bicycle, because I know I could learn to ride a bicycle, but it'd take like three months, and that'd be a major waste of my time, considering there's a much better vehicle that's been designed for as long as the bicycle. But you can just ride instantly and know exactly how to use, and you don't have to spend months learning how to use it, because that's stupid and a waste of time. If there's a time-saving alternative, I'll go for that. I think ballpoint pens are the best. Ballpoint the, pens the are thing, fantastic, and I'd never consider using a quill or fountain pen. The thing is with um, fountain pens, though, because ballpoint pens, they draw, like, um, they draw lines that don't really have... <clears throat> like... There's very few scenarios where you can get a different type of line, but with fountain pens, uh, you can. It changes the shape of the line depending on how you draw it. That it's like almost like collision. No, you, you can do that with ballpoint pens. It's just that uh, the ink doesn't go everywhere because there's not a giant mess because you're not dipping everything into ink and getting ink all over. You, you don't, don't have these weird in... ink cartridges that have to like bubble out of the tip or whatever. With ballpoint pens, it's like, and I don't even think Uniball Sino uses ink, it's more like gel. Modern, it's more like a really well-composed... The only difference is that the nib is not a ball. Basically not, because they have a nib instead of a ball yeah, at the end, but and that's they, the they main function, difference. They function, in terms of The rest ink, of it... The, the yeah, rest... You, you might think they function, but at the in end of the day, ink, they're always they are, going they to be more scratchy. function the same way, where the ink comes down the tube, yeah. and it comes... Uh, not really, because with a ball on the end, the application of the ink to paper is much smoother than just with it with a nib just with like a still nib that doesn't move see the ball is there because it can like rotate and that creates smoother application of the ink onto paper um like i said you can apply the ink differently with a ballpoint pin it just depends well, on how good you are and i coordination Uh, I've never heard of those. Well, it's like a ballpoint pen, but it's not quite a perfect spherical object at the end. It's more like an overlay. It allows you to get yeah, I don't unique, think that unique designs. It's, you, can, you can change the line depending on the angle of the pen. Yeah. Uh, I never, here's the thing. I never really come across a, a scenario where I'd need to change the line. Like, I've never come across that, because I think if you're good at making comics and you're good at drawing and good at writing, uh, you could give less of a shit what width your line is. Now, of course, I use the 0.7mm width, but uh, Uniball Sino also comes in 0.5mm and 0.3mm, so if you're into thinner lines or thicker lines, they have a 0.9mm too, which is really thick. Um, you can get those and change it up depending on what you're trying to achieve. Um, several of my comics are drawn with the micro variant, which is 0.5mm, and they look pretty different from something drawn with 0.7mm. But the thing about ballpoint pins is that they are engineered for clarity and precision by scientists. Right? The gel it has a, a specific chemical composure. The ball on the end is engineered to perfection to give an exact width, and I think that's very important. 
Not in all applications, of course. If I was doing, like, calligraphy or something, I'm sure I'd want a fountain pen, but I'm not in that business. I'm in the business of making comics, and comics look cool when they're clear, precise, and very well designed. Composition is everything in comics. So, yeah, I use ballpoint pens, Unibolsino 207. Not sponsored, but that just happens to be my favorite pen at the moment. I'm obsessed with them. I got packs and packs and packs. Stacked back. All right, anywho, uh, next question. What's your favorite uh, season? Ooh, that's an interesting one. I have to say spring. All here in Colorado is pretty miserable. And uh, it's never something to look forward to. Winter is always really snowy pretty miserable summer's always really hot especially now with climate change uh but spring is usually pretty pleasant and it's always the time of the year where it's worth going outside you know getting invested in nature spring is always nice here in colorado around april march may like um, spring's always nice i think a lot of people prefer spring of course, these days, a lot of people don't have the uh, normal four seasons anymore. Like down in Texas, for instance, there's a lot of people who come up here from Texas and they're like, oh, this is the first time I'm wearing a coat. And uh, I'm kind of like, you know, eh, that, that's not normal to me. You know, here uh, it's normal to have four seasons, winter, summer, spring, fall. And some people will accuse me of being like, oh, well, I don't live in a country with four seasons, and I'm like, it's just a normal facet of the Earth, like, you know, a day having 24 hours. Maybe you live in a country where a day doesn't have 24 hours. I'm going to see that as weird. I'm going to see it in Texas when they get snow. You know, there's that whole thing where they were like, oh, no, I don't know how to freaking insulate my house because I've never had to. Um, I was expected to feel bad during that, like when Texas froze over and they lost half their electricity, but I just kind of see it like a Groucho Marx skit, you know? Like a Three Stooges routine, just a bunch of idiots who don't know how to do basic shit. Like, I kid you not, there was one case where a Texan uh, lit a fire in the fireplace with the chimney being clogged, because it hadn't been used since, like, 1900. But they just lit a fire and didn't realize that the house was going to fill up with smoke, so they just suffocated. I believe. Death. I believe recently, it's like it, it's just recently ludicrous. something that happened, probably in the UK, I think, was um, somebody decided that because our energy bills are so high, they would just get a tin bucket and fill it with coal and set that on fire in their living room, and their like whole family died of carbon monoxide <laughs> yeah. poisoning or something. Yeah, yeah, re real genius. I mean, shit. I, I approve the same though because it is uh, naturally deselecting them from the gene pool. So I, I approve of, of that behavior. They did the same in Texas. It was like, uh, you know, and people didn't seem to, like. Does nobody in Texas have a have a grill in their backyard? You'd think that'd be the most efficient. Uh, they could just go out to the backyard, light up the grill, huddle around that, you know. Um, but they don't have, like, coats down there. They don't have, like, coats. They don't have scarves. They don't have gloves. So when snow comes down there, they're like, what are we gonna do? And it was just watching these idiots completely just, like, destroy themselves. It wasn't even that much snow. It's like an inch of snow. But they can't handle it. 
I was just like, what the fuck? You know? I, I can't imagine being that incompetent in terms of just keeping yourself warm uh, through, like, basic weather. Put on a coat, you know? Uh, but they didn't have coats. Like, I guess down in Texas, you just walk into a store. There's no coats on sale. They don't sell them. They just sell, like, freaking Hawaiian shirts and freaking sandals. No, you don't need And it's like, it's crazy. Can't imagine living down there. It must be... So flipping. Let's just layer up like shit tons uh, of shit. Anyway, so it should be basically equivalent to a coat. I mean, no, but if they're all Hawaiian shirts, your arms aren't. You don't, you don't need. To you know, the sleeves are too full. short. You really do. A, a good coat is something that I mean, everyone I, should I, have. I, I it have keeps one. your heart warm. It keeps your lungs warm. It prevents pneumonia. It covers up your chest really well. I don't think Hawaiian shirts can do that, no matter how many well, you, you have you on. You could put them on in a. Because they got the buttons put them down on in, them. in an unintended way. You could just wrap them around your arms. Yeah, they're not. But they're not made of fabric. They don't have cotton padding. I mean, that's really good insulation. Well, cotton padding. Nice. Uh, some are nylon or polyester. Some of those are artificial materials. Not all of them are cotton. Even so. Coats are designed to keep you warm, and they do a damn good job of it. We're in Colorado, of course, just the beginning of November, getting into winter here. There was a uh, snow a while back, saw the first snow. And it's never too unbearable. It's never, uh, it's not like up in Minnesota or Alaska and the like. I can't even imagine what those fellows up in Minnesota or Alaska go through every year. I've seen pictures of entire doorways just blocked off with snow. But here in Colorado, we really do have a great four-season system. Winter, summer, spring, fall. And there's not like a, an eternal summer. It's just, it's just like warm forever. I can't, I can't, I don't know what that would be like. That's, that's, that's a, that's a, that's an absurd proposition to me. I can't imagine living in a state where it's always warm. That's just uh, completely beyond my head. But I do like it whenever uh, the Texans or uh, Californians move here and they're like, You're so freaking weird for having snow? What the fuck? And it's like, yeah, sure, buddy, whatever you say. Anywho. Uh, next question. Next question. Any other questions? Currently 3.34, about a quarter of the way through here. Any, any I, I, I have a question, I have a question. Uh, what's sure, your favorite uh, thing, what's your favorite um, sort of like, not like a medium, but like, what's your favorite like sort of paper or oh, canvas that's, that's a good or question. card I just, or something I just like use, that? Uh, I just use standard office paper. Much like the pins I use, I, I take a very, uh, a, a very basic type approach. Uh, of course, that's not great for painting. Like, I, I have some canvases I, I, I use for painting, specific ones for acrylic and watercolor. But if you're just doing comics, um, I really see no reason why you wouldn't just use standard office paper. It's really easy to scan in. Uh, it's a breeze to scan in using my printer because my printer has, obviously, a scanning bed that's just the size of that paper. And, uh, like, 
you know, some people swear by, like, Bristol board or whatever. I've tried that. I've tried making a comic on, like, giant cardboard chunks. It just doesn't look right. There's something about the scale that's way off. Comics look the best, I think, when they're just drawn on standard office paper. Very basic stuff. And, uh, you, you can really, like I said, comics are all about composition. So... By just using standard office paper, you can get a really good idea of what fits where and the scale of everything. That's particularly the case with this new project I'm working on. So, yeah, office paper, uh, 11 inches by 8.5 inches. Next question. What's the... Um in your opinion, the best thing that you've filmed and published? Ooh, that, that is a good question. My, my best video, or my favorite video. Um, I've made a ton of videos. Currently I have over 500, so it'd be difficult to name just one, because there, there is a lot of quality stuff there. Um, obviously you might have seen me is I think one of my videos with the most staying power. I think that video will be talked about in years to come. It's because it's a very well-composed little short film. Uh, this new one I submitted this Halloween last night uh, was less popular because of the effect I used on my voice. Uh, and the... the he said, like, oh, uh, I like that it's on... a." a real VHS equipment, but the effect you apply to the voice completely uh, ruins the immersion. Which, I mean, I would disagree with, because it's not like Echo didn't exist back in the 90s. There's plenty of songs in the 90s, 80s, heck, even 70s, with, like, considerable Echo applied to them. It's not like uh, it's a new effect or anything. In fact, it's probably one of the oldest effects you can apply to your voice. Um... I think last night is okay. I don't think it really stacks up to you might have seen me in terms of just potential. Um, some of my earliest videos, I think, are really good because they kind of speak to a kind of a no-holds-barred sensibility that I think I might have lost. I've kind of fallen into a routine. My videos all kind of share a, a common aesthetic. Um, I really like College Buddies, the music video. Obviously, that one's a, a real classic. Everyone likes that one. That one's just like a, a class. To think that it's uh, pretty much four years old at this point. Yeah, almost four years old. That's pretty surreal, but it's a darn good video. And it really signals like the, uh, the initiation of a new era. Uh, recently, I'm proud of my uh, two t uh, documentary type pieces on Kiki Stockhammer and Clark Saturn. Those obviously took a lot of work putting together lots of research. I think it's very interesting to bring light to obscure figures of the internet who warrant a lot more attention and recognition. Um, uh, there, there are a few others. Uh, I like the... Uh, a lot of my early stuff, scrolling down the video page here... Um, I really like my Comic Tropes remix. That one's a classic. Um, Vice is good. Um, my Little Pump video, that one's a classic too. It's almost four years old at this point, and uh, that really signals like the beginning of my style. 
Um, so yeah, I, I'd say uh, in general, I think uh, some of my earlier stuff has a little more a zing to it, but that's not to say I don't like what I'm currently making at all. I think uh, I think what I'm making now is pretty good. It looks like both Splorf and Vachi have uh, left the Q and A, but that's fine. Got some good questions in. Forty minutes is easily enough to take up the uh, first bit of the Q and A with some interesting questions. Those were very interesting questions. So thanks to both of you for those. It makes a lot of sense that Splorf uh, is British. I don't think I ever heard his voice before. But uh, for whatever reason, a lot of my detractors uh, are British. I don't know why. Maybe it's just that somehow I'm ideologically opposed uh, with uh, the interests of Britain. But on the other hand, I mean, I've, I've collaborated with Concour, who is quite possibly the shining example for Britain going forward. I mean, the guy is a genius as far as the uh, British electronic music scene goes, so uh, shout out to Concord. Concord is cool as shit. Anyway, um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, the opening song uh, this week happens to be Smash Mouth, Then the Morning Comes. Now, those of you who have followed uh, my general uh, opinions for a while will know that I, I fucking hate time loop shit. Happy Death Day, Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, all that garbage that uh, just rips off Groundhog Day. For the longest time, I thought there wasn't going to be something with a time loop in it. Oh, Splurf uh, is back. Do you have any questions? I know Vachi asked a lot, but... Uh, when are you going any? to live stream? Like, you could, like, do live-streamed art sessions. Uh, when am I going to live-stream? Because I think, I think, I think probably showcasing... Probably not. I, th I think live-streaming... Showcasing your creative process... I think live-streaming... ...of great benefit to humanity. It's not that interesting. It's just me drawing, and there's some days when I don't draw, and there's some you days just when I do, when you draw. do draw. But I don't think that makes for interesting content. Here's the thing. Uh, I, I make this Q&A as kind of filler... You know, I, I, I cover topics here that I don't think warrant a full video. They're still interesting and can be talked about for around five minutes, but not I mean, maybe 40 minutes. No reason. But I don't want to make content that's just, uh, like, disposable garbage. I mean, there's no reason you couldn't create I think content should be preserved. Platform. I, I think content. I think content should be something worth preserving. I think content should be... Like, if I see a video, the same reason I fucking hate Twitch. I don't get why people use Twitch at all. It's fucking boring. You just watch a guy play a video game for, like, two hours straight. Or you watch, like, you know, some someone just walk around for two hours straight. I, I think mean, that's the boring. thing is, though, what you could do is like, these, these sessions here could absolutely be live-streamed somewhere. Your Q&A sessions could be live-streamed. They and... could be made into a video. And people have suggested that to me in the past, but the thing is, it's just me sitting here and well, talking, so there's not that it's, much it's to look in, at. In a sense, it's I'm very not going to. I'm not going to like podcasts, right? And a lot of people kind of watch right. live streams in the same way they'll do a podcast. Like they'll listen more than they watch. Um, that's something people do quite often. Yeah. So if there's no visual component, I don't see why there needs to be a visual component. Like if you can't just listen to something, there's really no need. Because if people if do just listen it, to things, people you, just listen to this podcast, it and it works in an audio format, and there's certain things that don't require visual visual component. Here's the thing, right? Twitch is a stupid platform. It's rules yeah, are shit. like Twitch is some shit, of the you worst. Can, you can do it on YouTube. The internet. 
and they don't really have any competition at the moment as far as live streaming goes. I don't understand the appeal of live streaming. Live streaming is not an interesting field with, as with far a large as I'm concerned. Audience. I'm concerned with short-form filmmaking, long-form content. I can make a video that's an hour long. I have no problem with that. But if it's just an hour of me sitting and talking or me sitting and drawing, that's fucking boring. And this is the thing. I prefer to save all the content I produce. I have all my videos backed up onto a hard drive. You should, you should but I would never just make a bunch of live streams and save them all. I think of live streams as like essentially like the fast food of videos because there are so many live streams that are just lost forever because Twitch deletes them after like, you know, freaking six months or whatever. So it's like, what's well, even the point of making it? You can do it on YouTube it for a start, not Twitch. On. Um, yeah, yeah, I get it. I mean, obviously YouTube has live shit too. It has uh, YouTube Shorts, I mean, that's which is trying to compete to with, with TikTok. It's... Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just saying, like, I think both of those extremes are stupid, and uh, the widest possible market can just be captured by just making videos of a medium length. Not four-hour live streams, but not, like, 30-second little clips of nothing. Now, uh, You'd be amazed, I, I've seen, like, secondary live channels. Much. I've seen secondary live channels that... Uh, basically don't get anything like they get nowhere near the engagement of the main channel which is what everyone wants to see everyone wants to see the actual videos with the actual shit nobody wants to see your your live channel with your uh, you know oh i i let's let's play elden ring for four hours nobody wants that people want the content that you make and give a shit about as opposed to the scraps that's why i make this podcast like really I don't, like, advertise anywhere. I don't announce it. Oh, shit, you know, this is the big thing. It's not the big thing. This is a side project. Yeah, so this is the main attraction. Have... And, I mean, it's on all listening platforms, so it's not like this is hard to access. It gets pretty good numbers for a podcast. You could essentially do the same. The to make it like a live stream. And it would give you more more possibilities. Yeah, but I don't think it, it would... would, it would have... I don't think it would add any... I don't think it would add anything to my audience, and I also don't well, as, think as a member of your would, audience, uh, I disagree. I, I, I don't. Th I don't. Like, think I, I am yeah. your audience. Well, I mean, that. you haven't been a member of my audience for like I've, a year. I've been or a member so, of your so. audience for quite a while. Um, I first messaged you on Reddit. I mean, you haven't even bought. No, any I, of my I appreciate comics, your videos. So I, much I don't more know than why, why you. I, I find your videos more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sure. Fine. My, my videos. Um would not expand my my audience anymore there wouldn't be more people um consuming it it would just be the same I mean, it's, but less. it's hard to say unless and there's no have... point it, it doesn't achieve anything no i mean i've seen i've seen secondary live channels that don't get half the numbers even a third of the numbers of the main channel so it, it is unnecessary work and as it is i'm swamped with work i have a lot of stuff to do i have a very busy schedule last thing i need to do is spend time going out and buying a webcam because my computer doesn't what, have a webcam what, what, it has a microphone do for it. it does your, not um, it does videos. not have a webcam uh, i use a professional digital camera well not a professional one just like a, I mean, a, lot, a lot of even a lot of even because, consumer but grades, it's, a lot of even it's not a web cameras do have a, a video output and um, does it not have one? it does not have the ability does not have the ability 
stream live to the internet I mean, what, as far what, what, as what? I know. Even if it did, it would take considerable time and effort to research Which, all that. I'd probably I have mean, to buy a specialized it cable. What, what ports does it have? Which would be the same amount of effort as just going out and buying a webcam. If it, if it was just a I don't think I need a webcam because I wouldn't be recording anything interesting because it's just me sitting yeah, here is... and talking. You, you spend, I mean, how, how long are these episodes? That's get, fine. Like, it's hours? perfectly good in conveying these Q&As. There's no reason. I spend two hours, two hours per, week. per week. I do I spend mean, two hours per week. I don't week. see any reason why you yeah. wouldn't I do. spend ten minutes buying them. But weapon. here's the thing, right, is that storing these audio files takes way less storage than it but would you, to store a two-hour video of nothing. Because you let YouTube do that. But, but why wouldn't I want to? Like, eventually, I'll probably publish a best-of compilation on tape. But if I don't have the well, audio files the, the from way live streaming one, works is... that's gone forever. This is the thing. Pl yeah, plenty of live streamers yeah, don't I, I value mean, their is, content, but I do I value my content. Plenty of, plenty of Twitch VODs are just gone forever, and they're basically worthless. They're the filler of the internet. You're never going to get a Twitch VOD that's as well-remembered as, like, Agamemnon Counterpart or something. Um, Agamemnon Counterpart's the shit, and I don't see Twitch ever putting out anything like that. Twitch will never have viral hits on the same level as YouTube. It'll never have, like, rememberable think... cultural milestones. The most it gets is, like, oh, Drake comes on. Wow, Drake is playing with Ninja. Live... I don't give a shit. Live That's the most boring possible content. The appeal of short-form and medium-form filmmaking and the creation of content that's actually worth something is that it... Live... It, no. People put time and effort and energy into that. Can be very good, though. Live streaming is for people who want to just get a bunch of money and followers off their, off their like, yeah, I mean, like, a lot, sitting a lot of there. People, and I really don't see that much marketability in me just sitting here. It's not that interesting. But it would give you... Not that many I mean, people, people do, do watch they, live streams. Like There's not, I've never seen... I've never seen a live streamer with as much support as, as a YouTuber. It just doesn't happen. Twitch does not get as much engagement as YouTube. You'll never see a live stream with like a million viewers. That that just doesn't happen. Right. And I don't know why, why, why I would expend considerable effort creating an inferior product. Right. This podcast is literally just me sitting here. So there's nothing, there's no reason to have a video element. It wouldn't, think it wouldn't achieve anything. Like, nobody, nobody would... It, it could, though, because, for example, when we were talking about pens earlier... I mean, people know how I look when I'm talking. People know how I look pens. when I'm talking. That's the, like, it gives you the ability to... No, I mean, you can just look up okay, an image but, like, of a Sino Uniball 0.7mm pen. Not, it's not difficult to it's record. It's not difficult. That's just stream. the pen I recommend. Well, it is with the computer I have, because the computer I have, as I've said, isn't equipped with a webcam. So I would have to expend effort and energy and time to go out, buy a webcam, figure out how to use it. I use yeah, a well, real again, camera like, for my a, videos because I camera, think using a real camera a is important. Connect it, and it, it should have, if it's a good camera... What, I don't know if I could. What camera is as it? As far as I know, this, this camera what, is only capable what camera of capturing it? video... It's a, it's an Olympus Tough TG5. As far as I know, it is only capable of capturing videos and pictures and then transferring those into your hard drive. 
then editing those, and then uploading those. I don't think it's capable of live streaming, and even if it was, I would have to put a considerable amount of time, effort, energy, and thought into figuring out how to do that, and it wouldn't be worth it. The reward for my for my behavior would not would not be big enough to invest all that time and energy into. I'm I'm sure that if I made YouTube shorts too, if I if I started making YouTube shorts, I've heard success stories of people tripling their subscriber count. I'm not going to do that because I don't want to make disposable content. I think it's stupid. I think live streams are stupid. Uh, I think they're a stupid uh, form of content. I don't get who who goes. Oh yeah, I I, I want to watch Ninja play Fortnite for four hours straight. That sounds like the most boring, miserable time possible. If I make a video, it's going to be a video worth checking out. It's not going to be just a video of me sitting and talking. No. I mean, I have looked into, like... This was a big controversy when I ate that Carolina Reaper pepper. Um, the hottest pepper known to man. I said I was going to do it, and I did it. But I made the mistake of saying I was going to do it live. And obviously, I'm not able to. I do mean, that you live. you could have done um, um, at least you could you have know, done not, like, the audio not with video on a Discord like all with video. I could have, but the thing is, nobody would believe I ate it because I could just make I could just you know I could just make gasping sounds and all that. I had to show myself eating the pepper. Now, I do show that on video. It's not live, but some people thought, oh, he'll just edit it or something. But I didn't. I I held true to it. And I ate it, and I ate it. I didn't eat it live, because I can't eat it live. You know, I... I... It's just putt party? What is that? Oh, anyway. Um, that was a big controversy. I said I was going to do it live. Couldn't do it live. But, uh... Some people were upset about that. That was kind of a controversy. Uh... Really, you know, if if I commit to something, if I commit to eating a really spicy pepper live, or just not live, but, you know, in a video, if, if I commit to doing that, I'm going to do it. Um, but some people thought, oh, you know, I'll just edit it in or whatever. That was controversial. I don't really care. You now, if people can't trust that I am doing what I say I'm doing. There are plenty of videos I've made that are just basically me sitting and talking, uh, but... It's on a subject that's interesting enough to actually warrant a full video, and I, I edit it. And I edit out the boring bits, you know, the parts where I'm just kind of like... Parts where I'm just, uh, like now, you know, pausing, saying, uh, or you know, um, all that. I edit that out because that makes the most concise, interesting, uh, you know, that makes the most interesting video possible. If I make some content, I want to make sure it's snappy and quick and well edited. And, uh, I think live streams are dumb. Anyhow. Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely won't be getting in on any live stream in the future. Uh, and, and I don't know, I, 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 that's been suggested to me at least once before, but as far as I'm concerned, like, there's no reason to turn a podcast into a live stream uh, there's no reason why anyone should just film themselves for two hours. Just uh, it could just be audio. Yeah. Well, I would I would say the thing is because you could do the live stream, and then you could edit the live stream. I know that sounds quite obvious, but like 
um, you could do the live stream so people watching that can get like the raw stuff straight from the source and then when you edit that it's just like the best bits yeah, i you feel can, like there were people make... who would get value from watching i no, see I, I think live streams and and any any like free form content by necessity is going to have much yeah, lower can, production value than something live put together professionally Editing two hours of audio or video, for that matter, is a considerable what, amount of time and effort on my part, which I'm not willing to put in. I think the appeal of the Q and A is that it is never edited. I never edit anything out. I I don't I don't cover up. I I, I don't I don't cut where I stutter or, or just like have a pause. I mean that creates a much more candid than my usual videos and it's much more it's very different you know it's a very different experience listening to me talk casually like this as opposed to my videos my videos are never scripted that's interesting too is that they're never scripted i just cut out the bits where i'm kind of uh, trying to think of what to say next but in terms of editing two hours of video and audio every week in addition to like putting all the audio tracks together which already takes up a considerable chunk of my time um, that's a waste of my time, and I would never consider editing that. As far as, uh, I, I just don't see the appeal. I don't see why anyone would want uh, a live stream over a podcast. They're equally boring. I don't deny that the Q&A is pretty boring to listen to. I'm sure it is. I mean, I try and make it as interesting as possible. But, uh, yeah, I'd never consider just adding a video component to it for no reason. That sounds I extremely stupid. And it, it would not make me, uh, get me any, any bigger an audience or anything. Anywho. Uh, I mean, it, it might get you bigger of an audience, because... It might, but statistically, well, from what I've seen, uh, live done. streamers don't have a larger audience. I've seen live I've seen live streams and I mean, they never get that much engagement. They they get engagement to the extent that they're not worth investing time or energy into. The thing is though, the thing is with the thing is with live streams though, um, you don't have to invest time and energy into it. You can record a video, uh, but just can, record it as you a can live just stream. Live first stream and, like like you like, when you draw a comic, you can just live stream it, and it gives you it's no extra work. You just you just click you click go live. But then I would be spoiling what's in the comic to people who haven't read the comic yeah, yet, it's, and it's I think that's choice. Like I'm I'm not going stupid. to buy your comics because like, I mean you know I prefer your video content. Right. So I don't even I care about what you content. have so to say as see, far as any, any business decisions. I'd video, make. I'd be interested. But here's the thing, right? I don't make any money off if my video, video content. content. I make it for free. So there's no point. No, I can't because YouTube won't send me uh, cash in the mail, and that's how I receive payment. Uh, if I ever get uh, a thousand subscribers it's and fifty thousand watch hours, or whatever the metric—I forget the amount of watch hours. Uh, Four thousand, whatever. How many? How many watch hours do I currently have? Let me see. Um, the, currently, uh, the, I have around. Four hundred seventy-six subscribers, and I've been stuck on that for around like three months at this I mean, point. It seems if like I been, climb up to four hundred and seventy-nine, and then it climbs back down to four hundred and seventy-five. Uh, how, how many watch hours do I have? Let me see here. The uh, the the thing is though, it doesn't necessarily have to be a comic. Say you just I don't know drawing something. 
You can just live yeah, stream Yeah, I mean, that. I don't like spoiling And that's a, it's an extra stuff. thing. Yeah, it, it is an extra thing, but it's the kind of thing that, like, I, I don't think anyone sane or uh, in my target audience would There's be no interested in watching. There's no way knowing until you try, though. I think it's, it's like useless content. There's no point to it. There's no point to just a video where I draw a page of Hypnagogic Archive or whatever... You see the finished result when it's done, so there's no point in being like, "Yeah, I drew this." Obviously, it did. Uh, but people, it's, it's people pointless. may want to have an insight. There's no, no but like process. people, 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 people. Why do you give a shit? You just watch my videos for free, and I make them for free, and that's fine. They're a great hobby. Now, people have said in the past, oh, Nick, your comics are just a hobby. No, my videos are the hobby. Uh, my comics are my job. I make money off the comics. I don't make any money off the videos, and that's fine. Uh, but at the same time, I have to make sure that every video I'm making is worth making and, uh, you know, is worth it. Free. How many, I mean, how many watch hours do I have? Lifetime, let me see here. 400 watch hours? Oh, wait, no, that's not it. Um, couldn't be it. But yeah, it's it's 4,000 watch hours, right? I have uh, 646 watch hours, so... Uh, not nearly as many as I would need to be monetized. And... Even if I ever am eligible for monetization, uh, I'll just turn it down because there's no point. There's no point in uh, engaging in a program that I can't get paid by. Because as far as I'm aware, YouTube does not send money to your house, uh, you, and that's uh, how I make some money. Other platform so. that would like smaller platforms would person. probably agree to send you. Uh... There really aren't yeah, any there are. other video hosting websites, uh, especially not ones which pay yeah, you but like small, uh, in the mail. Ones, yeah. Yeah, and, and they're ass. I, I use YouTube because with YouTube, there's a ton of fun videos and a ton of shit. That's where the action is. That's fine. That's why a lot of my videos say, buy Nicholas Comics at the end, because I assume that if you're watching the video, then you'll see, oh, buy Nicholas Comics. The same way a lot of people put, you know, oh, here's my Patreon list. I don't have a Patreon, so I shout out my comics at the end like, hey, Here's how you can give me money, but if you don't want to, you don't have to, because I make these videos just for the heck of it, because I think filmmaking is an avenue worth pursuing. Now, that's also why I sell my, my videos on VHS. If you like my videos, or if you can consider buying them on VHS. So, there's that. I do sell my videos, uh, some of them anyway, what I consider to be, like, my best videos uh, on VHS. So, that's how I make money off them. I, I, I really wouldn't consider going uh, monetized on YouTube. As for, uh, the way I see it, uh, VHS is great because it allows kind of a Patreon-type format, you know, where you can post excerpts and stuff that doesn't really make the cut. Like, on one of my videos, uh, the Hypnagogic Archive video, for instance, there's a Hypnagogic Archive video that's not anywhere online. Um, on one of my VHSs, uh, I think can find my song the 911 boogie which was kind of controversial upon its initial release but i thought hey i'll make it a vhs exclusive 
so only people who give enough of, of a shit about my videos to pay for them uh, can get their hands on this exclusive content. You know, there's an avenue worth going into. I put my videos on VHS if you're uh, interested in paying for them, but I don't know. Depends on how invested you are. I mean, I think I, th I think the general point of what we're saying here is that <laughs> streaming is something that you can do with literally no... You don't have to um, dedicate loads of time to it. You don't even have to think... You don't even have to realize that you're doing it out Yeah, of time. that's why it's you an extremely lazy the, the form is, of filler content that's populated is, though, entirely right, by losers. That, like, you can um, monetize those losers who will right. watch boring filler content. Because yeah. if... If they if they're willing if they're willing you, to you watch could that. but as far as I know Twitch and YouTube okay, don't send that, money though, to your house to watch, like, that so kind there's of content, no point you can in just that. sell them physical things that are yeah but but odds are they're not and even if they were they're not the type of person who'd be interested in my extremely complex comic you know a comic is designed not to waste anyone's time it's designed to be read by people who are invested in a good story. It's the same with, you know, uh, like all the content I put out. It's not designed to waste anyone's time. It's designed to uh, be interesting. No. The, th the thing is, though, if you put something on in the background, like a music or like a 10-hour stream of a fireplace, um, that's not, you're not wasting your time by that. It's something you're doing in the background. And streaming and watching a stream are things that are basically in the same category. Really? Yeah, but that's not video any, content. Any content. I make that is a content, video is video that's content worth regardless of what consuming. it is. It's a video, it's video content. Yeah, and I think that's kind of a problem, and that's what divides, like, content worth giving a shit about and watching versus content that's fucking crap. I mean, I've, I've published a remember, lot, right? right? I've published uh, a lot good videos, of very, very there are no, there are no, There are no live streams. There are no live streams that people remember or give a shit about. That might be great for video gamers who just take someone else's product and go, Hey, today I'm playing Tomb Raider, Legends of the Pac-Man. I don't play any video games, so there's literally no appeal there for me. I, I get it. There are live streams where you just spend an hour watching someone draw something. But... For me, with comics, and we're, you know, keeping the content of the comics a secret you, you until release, though, right? is kind of the whole point. Not really, I spend most of the day on comics. I've gone into painting as of late, but I don't want to spoil those either, because I might do a gallery show sometime or something. So, there's, there's nothing I draw where I'm like, oh, dang... People will really be interested in watching me draw this for an hour. And if someone is interested in watching someone draw for an hour, like, that that really just speaks to kind of, like, a, a non-productive attitude. You know, I'm someone who's all about productivity. I'm not about wasting time. I'm about getting shit done. I have to get shit done all day, every day. So, as for me, live streaming, as I see it, just kind of something someone would do if they have literally nothing else to do and i have a lot of shit to do and like i said my computer isn't even built for live streaming it's not a gaming pc it's not fancy it doesn't have a webcam i would have to actually put in effort to start live streaming i'd have to go buy a webcam which is something that as far as i'm concerned would achieve nothing and have no real benefit to me
I'm sure live streaming is huge over in the gaming sphere, but I'm not a gamer, so... And I, I can even see where live streaming would be practical for a gamer, but I'm not a gamer, so that has no practical applicability for me. I just hate live streams. I think they're fucking stupid. Like, uh, a good example, you know, Moist Charlie, right? His videos where he just uh, is sitting there and talking are great because he can edit in uh, interesting shit. The videos where he's live streaming are fucking boring. Even a personality as, like, captivating as his cannot carry a live stream. I don't watch any of the videos uh, where he's doing a live stream because it's freaking boring. That shit is so dull. It's just, I don't know, there's just something about live streaming where it's like, potential of a video is, 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 uh, like, destroyed, you know? Plenty of the stuff that, that, uh, is in those live stream videos would be great if it was just a normal, uh, you know, if it was just a normal Charlie video, but... Like, the difference between the normal videos and the live stream ones is readily apparent. The, the ones where he's just sitting and it's not live streamed are way better in quality. And have been since 2017, essentially. Which is what he started out with, and those were the best. You know, the, the, the classic ones where he has the Watto figurine in the back. Um, Really, I really don't see the appeal of live streaming. It makes content significantly I mean, it worse. Doesn't make content worse. There really it isn't any return on it. Less quality. It's not like it does because, by definition, it's a different medium, and different mediums have their own pros and cons. Oftentimes, I've said that gaming is like the lowest form of art you can get, and that's because I think, as far as I've seen. Video games are fucking stupid and have terrible narratives that you'd never in a million years see in, like, a competent novel or movie or something. And people can, you know, say, oh, video games really have great stories. With different mediums, you're going to get different shit. Like I just said, with, 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 uh, with Penguin Zero, that's a good example of how live stream content is fundamentally different from just normal, normal video content. And you can say... Oh, well, I prefer the live stream content. Maybe you do, but you can't deny that at the end of the day, they're very different things. They're very different mediums, and live streaming is going to result in a very different product. A well-together, well-edited video that you put time and effort and energy into uh, making. I've made videos where I just sit down and talk, because some days I feel like, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not willing to put too much effort into this video. It's still not a live stream. There's something psychologically trenched with live streams that makes them worse. I don't deny that that's the case with this Q&A at all. I mean, this is just filler content. At the end of the day, this is the side dish to the main course, and I'm not going to treat it like it's anything else than that. I want to make videos that are worth watching. I'm not going to make a live stream that's just me sitting there and drawing because I think that's fucking boring. I, I approach creation with the philosophy that I create uh, what I would be interested in seeing, right? So if there's, for instance, not an EC-type comic out there, not a satisfying EC-type comic, make an EC-type comic that's worth reading and worth giving a shit about. 
if there's a, if there are no videos on Kiki Stockhammer online, and I think that's an interesting subject that's worth covering if I see a gap in the market, and I think this is the kind of thing that I would be interested in watching. I'll make that. I make the kind of content that I want to see because there isn't that kind of content out there. I would not make a live stream because I would not be interested in watching a live stream myself and I would not be interested in subjecting my audience to something that boring. I only make content if it personally interests me. You might call me selfish in that regard, but I'm not going to make something if I'm not interested in making it. This has often been the case, you know, people have said, oh, you should listen to your audience more. Uh, you should care more about what your audience thinks. If my audience isn't even supporting me monetarily, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to put too much stock in what they have to say. I'm not going to assume they're market experts or anything. And I'm going to make what uh, what I find interesting at the end of the day. But that doesn't mean at all that people can't suggest things they find interesting in my comics or videos or the like, or say, "Hey, this is cool." I'd appreciate more of this. Like if someone said, hey, when's the next 10 crazy facts coming out? I want a new 10 crazy facts. Then I'd notice that there's some need for that there. If someone just uh, starts saying some completely crazy shit, like something I've never done before, a series I don't even make, like, hey, Nicholas, when are you going to start making a freaking Grand Theft Auto content? gonna be like what the fuck are you talking about that's not the kind of content i make that's not the niche I i've settled into here that was a big thing uh around like early 2020 if i recall i i have a video making fun of it in fact it's called uh extreme nicholas gaming or nicholas extreme gaming or something it's a pretty old video but basically this one moron who uh called himself omega the twitcher because i guess he was on twitch he was like hey nick why don't you start gaming content? Because that's what I want. Me, me, me. Make what I want, please. Uh, so I just basically roast it in this video, uh, Nicholas Extreme Gaming, where I just, like, play Solitaire. You know, because that's the most boring game you can possibly play. Not, not computer Solitaire, mind you. Real Solitaire with a deck of cards that isn't even the standard deck of cards. It's a pretty funny video. Uh, I really roast the idea to hell and back was uh when 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 even was this video it's pretty old it's two years ago so yeah like 2020 there's this suggestion why don't you freaking make gaming content and i always like shut the fuck up i'm not a fucking gamer and gamers need to kind of just accept that not everyone is a gamer you know some people have different interests and that's perfectly all right um i think some people don't don't really understand that that you know there's other interests besides gaming there's other things in life and I spend 100% of every day uh, not playing video games, so. It's just not really a viable option. And I think live streams are stupid. I think live streams will die out. I think Twitch is, is kind of in the same position right now as uh, Reddit and Facebook. I think one of those is going to be the next website to die off. Can't say which one. Can't say whether it'll be Reddit or Facebook or Twitch, but it's going to be one of them. Uh, because they're all running things just hilariously poorly right now. That's my prediction. I'm not too good at seeing uh, the future, but I think the, I think one of those three is going to die out. 
Anyway, any other questions? It's 4.15, got 45 minutes left. When are you going to sell your bath water? <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I, I, I do think, uh, you know, Bald Dolphin is very good at marketing. I guess... Guess I can respect her on that level. Obviously, I have no aversion to internet prostitutes or the like, or OnlyFans. I remember when uh, they said they were going to delete all the. Uh, probably. Probably never. OnlyFans doesn't mail you money via mail, so yeah, well, you, you it, do it, it doesn't it mail you money via mail, as far as I'm aware. Um. Well, I mean, you can post whatever you want onto OnlyFans. It's not the most viable website for that, but. Probably not. I, I could give less of a shit about it as a website. Could I, give less I, I think a it's a stupid website. Um, yeah. I could give more of a shit, too. Uh, e either direction, really. Um, I remember when OnlyFans said it was going to ban all the porn off it. Uh, that was just a really stupid decision, but it spoke to that, like, you really can't have any one website controlling your money. That's why that's why I sell via the mail because like the USPS can't just come in and go, oh, oh, we're taking a cut or you can't use us anymore because the USPS by law by constitutional decree has to allow me to use their service. What if you put a pipe um, legally the mail? speaking? Whereas OnlyFans, you know, they can just go, we're gonna ban all the, all the prostitutes off of here in a in a in a freaking and you can't do anything about it. And they can't do anything about it because it's in the terms of service. You know, they can do whatever the fuck they want. It's their company. So I think that the best... To all the internet prostitutes out there, all the e-girls and the like, who are listening into the Nicholas Comics Q&A. I know this isn't a very big demographic, but if you want to actually run your own business and be a strong, independent woman and sell nude photos of yourself, I suggest doing it via the mail. Because you're never going to have the USPS crack down on it. Uh, the USPS could give less of a shit whether the material you're sending is pornographic. If they or could not. give less of a shit, uh, don't they give a shit? There was a point where. Uh, that's true. They, they don't give a shit. They don't care. They don't care what you're sending. Sorry about that. A ter terrible way to phrase the sentence. Um, USPS actually had. Uh, a bit of an issue back in, like, the 1800s. Uh, back back then, you couldn't, like, send, you know, uh, naughty photos or, or stories or the like. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, Comstock laws. Those don't exist anymore, so it's perfectly legal to send as many, as much stuff as you want through the USPS. It can be anything. Any type content, the USPS literally does not give a shit. Uh, the way I see it, OnlyFans is kind of like a pimp, and there's really nothing to, to admire about that. And if prostitutes actually want to be independent, they should probably just, like, use the USPS. That's what I would recommend. It's not only effective in prostitution, it's effective in every industry. Comics, gaming... How, how do you do gaming over Media USPS? distribution, newspapers... You send cartridges... But but why why would you why would you do that when you um, can the USPS send is the... over pre-established a pre-established network of wires and because because cartridges I mean, but you are could, just better you could to have send games the game in. over as far as I'm you aware could send the game that's why that's why these wires collapse because nobody wants um, nobody you know, wants cloud take any game on it 
you could, but on average, and this applies to gaming, I know gamers won't want to hear this, you should I mean, have every, games on every a physical game is disc physically or a physical cartridge or some shit. Oh, yeah, that's, cloud, why cloud, cloud that's why Stadia failed. That's why Stadia freaking died, because like, nobody wants gaming running, that's just on the, the cloud. Just weird, yeah. Nobody wants gaming that's just on the cloud, because if gaming is just on the cloud, then those games I mean, eventually the, the, the come to the point where they can't be played. So many of those fucking Stadia games are completely unplayable now because Google latency. made a stupid choice um, to post them on the cloud. Even if you don't care about the fact that it's in the cloud. It's... Yeah, uh, whatever. I think games. Are, I think gaming is stupid, but if you're going to be a gamer, at least have the dignity to send your uh, cartridges via the mail. Um, and there well, is no latency for, issues with cartridges, you know. If you got an Atari... You got an Atari 2600 home entertainment system. That shit's built to last, and it's not going to break anytime soon. And you're definitely yeah, I, not I've, going to have to pay a monthly fee for it. For it. Kid, that, that shit's fire. Like, I love the DS Lite. Yeah, I have zero video game consoles because I'm not a gamer, and I spend my time instead exploring the exciting potential of tape decks and VCRs. But uh, I suppose that's just because I'm a lot more productive and I spend my time with machines that actually achieve content creation instead of machines that just uh, are for entertainment. Uh, yeah, these Comstock laws were uh, real, real, oh, yeah. how, how real do you, uh, stuff. They were real uh, data, all your videos. What do you, what do you do about that? Because obviously, it would be a shame if your archive was lost. Well. For the pe that's that's a great question. Yeah, like I said, I've got all my videos and all the episodes just, just of the Q and A on a hard drive. Probably eventually get a get a backup hard drive to copy them onto. Because I do think it's good to keep your files around digitally. But as far as actual preservation goes, you bet your ass I've saved my best videos and my best songs onto tape and VHS because uh, that's the longest lasting way to ensure on the shadow of a doubt that your content's going to be preserved. Um, 100%. I have zero doubt that by making master copies of all my tapes and all my albums, uh, I am ensuring that they will last a hell of a lot longer you time actually, than anything um, on Spotify. You can actually get special tape media designed no. for storing, like, digital data the same way hard disk does, for, like, long-term storage. Like, 30 years kind of stuff. The, um, oh yeah, absolutely. The with it I mean, you can get you can, There are different types of tapes. Machines. There are different types of tapes that are designed specifically for storage. There's like bags and plastic locks you can get specifically for keeping air and dust out. It's it's great. I, I have zero doubt that my content mm. is going to last a long time. I mean, you, you're definitely going to want to get a second hard drive. If all your stuff's only on one hard drive, you, you the chances of losing it are actually pretty high. How, how old is the hard drive? How, how old is the hard drive? Well, not really, because it's a pretty big hard drive. It's but, around, but, I mean, like, size, it's a size couple is terabytes. It's, it's about it's, uh, I think how old like the drive is, because eventually um, the stuff just starts getting corrupting. Like, as, as we're speaking, as we're speaking, bits, yeah, that's bits right, on that's the magnetic right. platters of that disk are switching. I mean, and with, 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 yeah, with heavily know, compressed files such as that's JPEGs, really even one bit being flipped um, can corrupt the image to a point where it looks really bad. I, I will get I will get a I mean, second you should do it right away. That's good advice. But like I said, I mean, I, I don't even really take much stock in the potential of a hard drive. I prefer picking my shit up onto tape and VHS. And of course, with my comics, the best way to preserve them is to print out a shit ton. And the more copies are in circulation, the longer they'll last. But um, 
VHS and tape really is the way to go if you're in uh, in music or or a video or or vinyl if if you're if you're into music and you want something that lasts you can make a vinyl of it. But I found tapes effective because they store twice twice the music and they're uh, really high audio quality, especially with my tape deck. So that's what I'm using at the moment for backup. It's really great. Uh, HS is just like where it's at. I couldn't imagine using a different system. But that is a really good point you make about the degradation of digital shit. Everyone treats hard drives like they're this indulgent, yeah, yeah. this, if, this uh, magic formula. But they're as much subject if, if to you the leave, physical if you laws leave a of hard entropy drive, as like, anything um, else. I 100% yeah, draw, agree with you. For a few years, that. it will just stop working. Like you. I 100%, I 100% agree with you on that. And my hard drive is like. Hard drive is like. I mean, like, if it's a year old, it'll probably be fine. But um, so. once they start hanging I've up, five to... years, they can get a lot less reliable. Yeah, I mean, they decay. Yeah, disc rot. There's well, disc, not disc rot, rot, you know, um, too, with like CDs and DVDs. Also, data rot. So I much disc rot. To. I don't use I don't use CDs or DVDs. I see them as joke formats. I do think video uh, files, just like stored on a drive, are more effective than DVDs. And I do admit that they're they're convenient for keeping digital files around for some time, but in terms of like actually preserving your videos or songs or anything, uh, you definitely want to invest in a high quality VCR and tape deck and record that shit on there. That's the only way it's actually going to be preserved. It's like I see all the time, you know, advertisements like we can transfer your VCR, we can transfer your, all your videos and tapes onto a DVD, and it's like, you got it backwards. You should not be transferring I mean, your VHSs onto a DVD. Copying, you should as opposed to transferring, like, I suppose that could make sense if you needed it to be in the DVD format for whatever reason. I mean, transferring it and getting rid of it, because... Yeah, but people literally just take their... I, I completely 100% agree with you on this, Blorf. You're making complete sense right now. Transferring your whole VHS collection onto DVD and then throwing it away is such a horrible idea. Uh, that's how to lose all your videos in like five years. That DVD is going to break down. It's a joke format. I really don't know who uses DVD anymore. It's like, I guess some people do. Terrible format. It, it's not as bad as Blu-ray. It has more applicability because it's not patented by Sony. They don't have complete control over it, I mean, so you the, can at the least only advantage of it is DVDs. that it's cheap if you're using it for There's... redistributing media, right? Yeah, yeah, it's really cheap. But in terms of like quality, I mean, I admit, you know, my my VHSs they cost a little. It costs a little to get some blank VHSs these days, but I sell them for like fifteen dollars. That's a decent price, and uh, they look great. Fantastic video and audio quality. And it's so cool to have my content on a format that will last and that people can enjoy. It's really fun to record your own v VHSs, and uh, it's a very satisfying experience I've found. Really great stuff. Like I said, if you enjoy my videos, I suggest uh, buying some on VHS. I ship internationally. Sorry, I'd only be interested um, in buying them on M2 uh, yeah. SSD. I need to make sure oh, I can SSD. watch the videos uh -huh. as fast as possible. I've heard of that incredibly speedy data read rates, you know. All right, efficiency, right? 
Uh, I was going to say earlier this episode, I like the music video for Smash Mouth When the Morning Comes. It's uh, the only example of a time loop scenario I've ever seen uh, that's as effective as Groundhog Day, because I do think the Smash Mouth guy has as much swagger as Bill Murray and is able to carry it. That's a great music video, When the Morning Comes. Uh, great song, too. Anyway, just thought I'd mention that. I, I have been proven wrong. That is an example of a well-executed time loop plot. Um, anyway, any other questions? What's your favorite color and why? Orange. Uh, just because it's the color of my hair, and... Uh, I've always liked orange as far as far back as I can remember. I mean, I, I wear pretty much uh, orange shirts regularly. Uh, and I'm, I'm just kind of obsessed with orange. It's been my favorite color. Uh, hair, I assume. Yeah. Any other questions? It's 428. Got about an hour, half an hour left this episode. Uh, do you have any specific um, brands that you like more than other brands? Oh, that's a good question. I think everyone has some level of like brand preference, or uh, you know, one brand is better than another brand. The example that springs to mind instantly is uh, Pearson's Nut Roll. Um, Pearson's Nut Roll is a great candy. And uh, I've spoken about it in a video I made, but uh, it's a really good candy. It's got uh, just the great, great peanuts on the outside, sugary inside. It's really good. It's got caramel, too. And then there's the Payday Bar. Technically, I guess the Payday Bar came out first, which I never would have guessed because it just seems so flipping new, and the Pearson's Nut Roll seems so old-fashioned and quaint. But uh, I'd never choose a Payday bar over a Pearson's Nut Roll, just because I think Payday is uh, it just tastes lame compared to a, a Pearson's Nut Roll. Um, I'm not. I'm. I, I don't even know what it is. I mean, they're basically the same thing. I think uh, it's also because in one of my first comics ever, I mentioned Nut Rolls. It seems I'm having an incoming call from Ao Toto Toam Tai. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who who did he say? <laughs> Been playing God. Ah, there we go. I was cut off for a bit. Seems those fellows were just uh, fooling around, messing around. Um, about a half an hour to go here in the Q&A, so I figured I would uh, list off here the... Uh, let me ask if there's any more questions from the peanut uh, gallery before we move on here. No, you could only be in one voice thing at a time, but uh, whichever. All right, sir. Sorry. 
Sorry about that. Back. Any more questions? Um, what's your favorite digital platform? Uh, it doesn't have to be for anything specific, but what's your favorite digital platform in general? Ooh, that, that's a good question. Um, digital platform. Yeah, you know, I, a year or so ago I would have said YouTube, and I still think YouTube's a very efficient site, and it's very, like, it's a lot of fun on YouTube. I mean, great content, uh, just really great design. It, it, it's internally designed really well. Um, I'd have to say, I'd have to say NeoCities. I think, I mean, I designed the Hypnagogic Archive website on NeoCities. And it's just a really, really well-built, like, website design thing. And, uh, it's really effective. I mean, you can make a great, great-looking website on that. And I, I think I really, like, value, uh, website creation in terms of digital platforms over just, like, um... Uh, I value website creation over uh, video creation, you know, because you can just make videos with with a camera and VCR, but websites are something that's intrinsically tied to the internet, so I think, like, you know, it's a vital staple of the internet, and I think NeoCities is probably, like, the best website builder out there. It, it's really great software, and I've just used it a ton. I've had a ton of fun with it, just making all kinds of wacky stuff on these websites. Uh, it's a good time. So I'd have to say my favorite digital platform is probably NeoCities. There's just something charming about H HTML code that's just, uh, just looks great. It has a great, really polished, simplistic, minimalist feel to it. And uh, obviously the Hypnagogic Archive benefited highly from that, the, the look and tone of it. Anywho, any other questions? Speaking of the Hypnogeic Archive, in that, um, in the success of that, uh, what, what do you think your favorite bit of doing the Hypnogeic Archive has been? Oh, that's a great question. I think the short stories, like in particular, uh, narrative construction obviously is the main appeal of it for me, but in particular with the short stories, uh, like Joyce, is kind of the influence that that came from and the output. I'd say my, my two favorite stories off uh, the archive are Joyce and Heron Observations. My favorites... Pro Actually, no. I would say my two favorite... I, I know people like Heron Observations, so that's kind of the public's favorite. But in terms of my two favorites, my two favorites are Joyce and Don't Look Up at the Fan, because they're both based on actual videos I saw. And I think that adds an extra kind of level of immersion to it, a kind of a kind of a bonus layer of intrigue. That they're both based on actual experiences I went through, actual videos I watched, and um, loosely, uh, but but somewhat. And I think they they have something that not much of the archive as a whole has, which is they're like the they're the scariest. They really are the kind of thing that. Uh, if you read late at night, they will get to you. Like, Joyce will gnaw at the back of your mind, you know. She's a, she's a character with so much potential, so much staying power. Um, I, th I think I really tapped into something with Joyce that none of the other stories fully accomplish. Maybe with the exception, don't look up at the fan. There's just something about the psyche that uh, really connected with Joyce. Uh, 
Hypnagogic Archive has has uh, connected with people in a lot of ways, and a lot of people really enjoy it. A lot of people really see something in it and are able to relate to it. And while I'm opposed to relatability, and I don't really think that Hypnagogic Archive is that relatable, because there's a lot of out there and supernatural stuff in it, it is nice whenever people are able to connect with a given property and kind of see themselves in it. And uh, it's nice that people are able to kind of, you know, build themselves uh, off that and kind of say, oh, this is, this reminds me of so much. You know, obviously, sleep paralysis is something I've never dealt with. In fact, I, I don't even have nightmares. Um, I've never seen the hat man. I've never seen, you know, the the any of these sleep paralysis demons, but it just seems so common. Much like epilepsy, which is another condition I don't have, can't possibly hope to relate to. I don't understand in the slightest. I don't even know how it would be that, like, you know, you go to sleep and there's this giant demonic figure cackling over you. It, it sounds ludicrous. When I go to sleep, it's just like, okay, eight, eight hours of unconsciousness, then I'm awake again. I don't even remember any of my dreams most of the time. Um, I don't even know if I do dream some nights. I just, like, enter a state of complete nothing. There's just, like, nothing there. Uh, but the hat man, you know, obviously, like, thousands of people uh, under that Windigoon video, like, hundreds, hundreds of people have been, like, I saw the hat man, I remember the hat man. So common. So many people have seen the hat man, and I'm just like, whoa, you know. Um, to all the Hatman fans out there, he's going to he's going to return. In fact, he's already kind of returned, but you might not have noticed who he was. Uh, but I've got something cooking with the Hatman that's going to be fun. I think he's a fun character to incorporate, not just because he's public domain, but just because I mean he's an interesting figure. Because so many people have seen him, and it's like, what the what the shit is up with this? And as some, you know, as an atheist who doesn't believe in supernatural, paranormal stuff at all, I just find this kind of shared hallucination really interesting. Uh, it's an interesting aspect of the human psyche. I guess there's just something about cloak and a hat that people universally uh, are scared of. I don't know. Pretty weird. Pretty weird stuff if you look into it. I don't think there's been a story, really, that uh, takes advantage of the Hat Man as much as Hypnagogic Archive has. I'd say that's another uh, appeal to it, is that it really, like, explores the character on, on a new level. Kind of elevates him to the status of, like, Slenderman, whatever. You know, because, like, with Slenderman, Hat Man predates Slenderman. People have been seeing Hat Man for, like, decades prior to Slenderman. And I think there's a lot more mystery to Hat Man, because it's like, you know, what's up with the hat? Like, with Slender Man, you get where the fear comes from. You know, he has tentacles and whatever. And he's, like, really abnormally tall. But with Hat Man, he's just, like, a guy in a hat. And he's, like, a normal height. And, and he's just a guy in a hat and a cloak. And for whatever reason, there's just something in the, in the collective subconscious that just makes that a terrifying idea. like that. And a lot of people obviously have connected with it, because a lot of people see that uh, every night, which I can't even begin to imagine how, how uh, wacky that must be to see Hatman. Uh, any other questions? Got 20 minutes here. If you could change or add one law in America, what would it be? Ooh, uh, that's a good question. Uh... 
That is a good question. Uh, definitely reproductive rights. Uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade was a public disgrace. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's very important that uh, that be instituted again as soon as possible. Uh, this time, of course, not as, like, just a Supreme Court decision, but because you can't really rely on that, because you can always overturn that, as a constitutional amendment. Um, just yesterday, I got a letter from Kamala Harris, the vice president, uh, signed by Kamala Harris, thanking me for writing in, uh, which I did immediately after the overturning of Roe v. Wade, of course, which, uh, that's quite the thing. I've, I've hung it up on the wall, and uh, it's signed by Kamala Harris. She literally signed it, so that's quite the historic artifact, and uh, it's exciting to have. A, 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 a message directly from the Vice President of the United States. That's very interesting. You know, you write a couple politicians or celebrities, and you're always sure to get something back, at least from one of them. Like, you, you know, you send out like 10 letters to a given politician or celebrity. That's really the only way to reach famous people is by writing them. You know, you can't just email your representative and expect them to notice that. You gotta send them a physical envelope. If you do that, then they'll assume you give enough of a shit uh, that you're worthy of attention, right? And so it's so cool to, to get a letter back from Kamala Harris. That's really neat. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, one law. I, I, think, I think America functions pretty well uh, just so long as it doesn't, uh, you know, uh, deny women the right to have an abortion, which is an absurd proposition. That'd be like denying everyone the right to an appendectomy. It's fucking stupid. That's that's why uh, that's one reason why uh, that moron uh, Alphabet from the Hypnagogic Archive server isn't here anymore because he was he was on some anti-abortion shit. That shit's cringe. He's like, well, some people find the find abortions gross, and I'm like, yeah, every surgery's gross. Human anatomy's gross. People need it. If you need a kidney transplant, you're not going to have a doctor go, Oh, this is too yucky for me. It's such an infantile mindset. Uh, there's, no, there's no worthwhile argument against uh, completely free and open access to abortions. There is no logical argument one can make. I think they're great because uh, it's abortions. essentially people that is signing one of the up most for genocide. Ideas I think I've it's heard quite in a long time. Luckily, of course... Well, it's not people signing up for genocide because genocide yeah, is by it's definition targeting, targeted it's targeting one demographic or another. There's there's that. a voluntary extinction. No, there's voluntary extinction. There's voluntary extinction. There's it's voluntary extinction, like, but that's not genocide. That's voluntary. Um, Antinatalism is a whole other basket. Yeah, some people want to voluntarily just uh, end the human species, but that wouldn't be genocide because it would be consensual. Antinatalism is a fascinating subject. Should be looked into some more. Um, as someone who's never going to have children myself, I mean, I don't even have any investment in abortion because I don't have sex, and I'm not going to get anyone pregnant, and I can't get pregnant myself, so it's not even relevant to my own life. But I just recognize on, on a basic fundamental level it is such a ridiculous concept to prohibit people's access to abortions. It, it's ludicrous. There is no reason someone should not be able to have an abortion if they want one. And uh, 
And luckily, I live here in Colorado where it's sane, so there's a Planned Parenthood like, you know, 15 blocks from me. Um, I can only imagine what the South must be like right now where they don't allow abortions at this point. It's like, we're going to, they're just going to collapse. It's just going to implode. It's going to be like, babies on every street corner. It's going to be overpopulated. Nobody's going to be able to afford shit. So I hope the South is is uh, looking forward to a period of like complete economic collapse and complete ideological collapse. I mean, the South is already going through an identity crisis where they have to cope with the fact that they are statistically and factually speaking the most racist part of America. I can't really avoid that or be like, no, nah, we ain't racist, we're just cool. Um, there's nothing cooler or interesting about racism or fascism. That shit's cringe as fuck. And Brett Kavanaugh's cringe as fuck. I mean, I sent Brett Kavanaugh a letter, too, the day of uh, the Roe v. Wade decision, and uh, told him exactly what I thought of him. If I remember, I called him, or I called, maybe it was uh, Justice Alito, I called one of them a snot-nosed rectal weasel. That's one of the great things you can do here in America. You can send your politicians angry letters if you approve and uh, nice letters if you approve. But uh, you, can, you can send them angry letters if you don't approve. Um, I, th I think it'd be funny if I got a letter from Brett Kavanaugh in the same way I got one from Kamala Harris. Just like, that, that'd, be, that'd be worth uh, treasuring. I'd, I'd, I'd hang that up for sure, but I don't think I'm going to get anything from Mr. Kavanaugh. Oh, what, what a little coward. I also find it funny that I mention him so much in College Buddies. It's like he became relevant. Uh, even though College Buddies is like, you know, four years old at this point, um, Brett Kavanaugh became relevant again just, just this year, which I think is cool. Um... I'm sure what with his lifetime appointment, there's going to be lots more opportunities to make fun of the little bastard for a long time coming. He really is uh, the absolute worst. Mr. Kavanaugh. Stand the guy. Anywho, uh, any other questions? 15 minutes here. Um, what's, what's your favorite tree, if you have one? Ooh, favorite tree. Here in Colorado, there's a lot of cottonwoods, and typically they grow around the Platte and St. Vrain and Cherry Creek and the other waterways here in the Denver metro area. I think cottonwoods are a very nice tree to look at. They have a very distinctive look. Um, and I think they're also kind of a, a uniquely Coloradan tree, and I appreciate and admire that. I think... Uh, I don't think they grow much elsewhere. I think they're just kind of around the rivers here. That's, uh, that's something worth respecting. There really aren't any other trees, like even pine trees, which everyone says, you know, are, are Coloradan. You don't really see, you know, I, I don't really see the, the appeal of those as much as cottonwoods. I'm not much a fan of pine trees. I really like, uh, you know, the, the seasonal ones. And I feel like, uh, the cottonwoods here in uh cottonwoods here in uh the Denver area are just really great. I like them. Anywho, if you had to drop a uh, gigantic bomb on a major city, which major city would it be? What would you um like nuclear bomb like that kind of scale? 
without without considering like fallout like, that's no, a good it's question not a nuclear bomb it's just a really big one of it's like, a good question scale there's no fallout oh it's an interesting question uh which city which major city probably new york I think America would be a lot better off if New York as a city didn't exist because you'd have more evenly distributed power and you'd have more e evenly distributed culture across the board. I mean, the same goes for Los Angeles. If I could only uh, destroy one, I mean, that wouldn't really accomplish much because there'd still be the other. Los Angeles and New York are the two worst American cities because they prevent... Uh, the other states and other cities from get, you know garnering a national reputation or any kind of unique culture, um, which is a problem if you want a diverse country. You kind of have to have equally sized cities all around instead of two giant megalopolises uh, on either coast. That's terrible for a republic which is composed of 50 states. You You cannot concentrate the culture of a massive country like America, 50 entire states into two cities. It just can't be done. But for whatever reason, New Yorkers are like, Oi, this is the giant melting pot. Oi, I'm from Brooklyn, and this is the most diverse place. But despite a fault, you're not going to get actual diversity if you're all coming from the same, like, 50 square miles. That's just not diversity. Um, geographic diversity is important. And... It, uh, Denver's more diverse than New York, I would argue, because all I see with New York is a bunch of people watching the stocks, eating pizza, drinking coffee. I just find New York annoying. I mean, would I would I destroy it with a bomb? No. But if it had never existed, like if history had gone differently and there were just a couple cities on the eastern seaboard that are like reasonably sized, instead of this giant festering cesspool... Uh, would history have been better off? I say absolutely yes. So it's 4.49 here on the Nicholas Comics Q&A. 11 minutes left. I, d I wanted to mention this at the beginning, but we had so many interesting questions today, I figured it'd be worth bringing up now. Last time on the Nicholas Comics Q&A, some idiot accused me of worshipping what they called strong men, which I guess is some kind of a, a subtle way to call me a fascist. This is the thing. As a humanist who doesn't worship the achievements or accomplishments of any imaginary god, uh, what I appreciate and worship and respect are the achievements of humanity, of uh, actual historical figures who actually existed. So I'm thinking about adding a new segment uh, to the Q&A here called Strong Men Throughout History, who are cool and who you can respect and uh, who are hella dope sauce. And I'll try and put some women in here too, because there's a lot of respectable female figures throughout history also. Um, just kind of role models who have uh, informed how I conduct myself. They say you should learn from history. I think it's very important to have some historic figures who uh, you can go, yeah, this was a cool guy. Now, this does not in any way mean that it, just because you, like, appreciate strong and cool guys, uh, you're a fascist. I think that's fucking stupid. Because if you look at actual fascists, like Hitler or whatever, that's not a strong guy. He's a fucking weakling. Hitler is a skinny little twig bastard 
And there's nothing cool or dope or awesome sauce about fascism. Fascism is cringe to the fucking max. Um, but on the other hand, you definitely don't want a society that worships weaklings who achieve nothing during their lifetime, like Jesus Christ. Uh, that guy was kind of a loser. I mean, not as bad as Hitler. I'm going to come right out and say it. He's not Hitler, because he didn't achieve as much terrible impact on the world during his lifetime. He certainly did after. Hitler and Jesus are the two people most responsible for the most human suffering throughout history. Um, but when you have a society that worships like a, a complete weakling like that, really doesn't have that much of a bearing on history at all, uh, you know, that's a problem. So I'm going to try and give, give kudos to some actual historical figures who I think are cool. Uh, today's strong guy, today's big, buff, burly, big, important guy who was cool and did a lot for history is Genghis Khan. I've talked a lot in the past about the fantastic achievements of Genghis Khan. All too often is vilified by history, much like many of the pirates who I might, I might uh, bring up in a later segment. Some of the pirates were pretty cool guys at the end of the day and weren't nearly as bad as everyone makes them out to be. They were just kind of free thinkers and adventurers. But uh, as for Genghis Khan, uh, Genghis Khan was instrumental in unifying the Mongolian people and creating Mongolia, which is one of the most respectable Asian nations today. It is a fantastic nation. I hope to take a vacation there sometime and check it out. They have a giant statue of Genghis Khan over in Mongolia, and it's cool as shit, and I'd love to see it. Genghis Khan was very important in connecting Europe and Asia via the Silk Road, which is how Europe got stuff like clocks and silk and the like, and a lot of important components. And while I will argue that it is wrong to invade the East and Asia and try and, you know, introduce, like, Christianity or Islam to it, which is, is something culturally that Asia does not want. Um, it's fine to trade, like, products like clocks and silk and stuff. That's cool. And during Genghis Khan's time, China didn't want to trade that much. They're kind of an insulated kingdom, so Genghis Khan helped open that up and be like, you know, you should trade with people. I'm a big fan of international trade, and I think Genghis Khan's initiation of the Silk Road is crazy respectable. It really helped Europe and Asia understand one another a lot more as common people. It brought the world together. Now, you might be saying, but Nicholas, wasn't Genghis Khan a mass rapist and murderer? I would argue that most accounts of that are probably exaggerated Chinese propaganda. And while you might be saying, but Nicholas, usually you trust and respect the venerable Chinese people who have lived in their country for 4,000 years, I also respect Mongolians to an equal extent. I think Mongolia is a cool country. So, at the end of the day, the Mongol-China conflict is one of the only wars where I can kind of see the uh, views of both sides to an equal extent. But there wasn't anyone as cool and awesome on the Chinese end as there was with Genghis Khan. I think you'd have to be crazy to argue that Genghis Khan uh, was not cool as shit. He was a cool guy. And um, just like on the face of it, uh, you know, like Mongol warriors are like the coolest, the coolest uh, army historically. You, you see those guys, it's like, man, those guys are some badasses. 
uh, what a cool guy, you know? So you can go and see this epic statue of Genghis Khan on his horse over in uh, Mongolia. Man, that looks cool. I'd go for that. Um, and he's on their money, too. He's, he's like George Washington over there, and I think that's very cool. Mongolia has this uh, figure who they, they worship and admire. And it's way cooler than if they just had a big statue of Jesus or something. I mean, come on, cringe. Uh, let's get a statue of Genghis fucking Khan. That's that's awesome and rad. I think Genghis Khan is cool, and uh, you'd have to be pretty dumb to go like, oh, Genghis Khan sucks. Uh, he's way cooler than Jesus. Uh, cool guy. I think the Mongol Empire is something definitely worth looking into. It's a fascinating period of history, fascinating nation that he helped unify and give an identity to. He helped say, we're the Mongols, we ain't China, we ain't Russia, we're the flippin' Mongols, and we're gonna be awesome. And that's really cool. I think uh, Genghis Khan is, is pretty dang, pretty dang epic. Uh, so yeah, I like, I like Genghis Khan, and... Uh, you know, so sue me. I think Genghis Khan is cooler than Jesus. And any day of the week, uh, I would respect Genghis Khan more than I'd respect uh, Jesus or Muhammad or the like. Because um, Genghis Khan, you know, he didn't tell you, oh, you got to read the holy book and pray to me five times a day. He didn't. He didn't demand that people respect him via magic. Uh, the people of Mongolia just respect him because he's the father of their country. And that's flippin' cool. He's pretty awesome. So, yeah. Is what I have to say about that. So, yeah. Anywho. Um, that's it for this week. If you want to hear more of that Strongman Throughout History segment, just let me know. I have a bunch of other figures, a bunch of other people throughout history who I think uh, could use a shout-out to uh, have some praise heaped onto them for their contributions to humanity. Just like to clarify here that, uh, you know, any, any type of uh, fascism, racism, homophobia, transphobia, whatever, that shit is cringe to the max. And if you are a fascist or racist or whatever, get ready to get dunked on you're not going to be taken seriously, you ass clown. Anywho, um, that'll do it for this week. Uh, fascists can go die in a hole for all I care. Uh, Hitler's a scrawny bastard. And, uh, Putin sucks, too. Uh, Putin uh, sucks. I have a comic about Putin coming up. It's going to be pretty fun. Um... Uh, Anywho, from comics country to your ears, this has been the Nicholas Comics Q&A. Now and always, 100% audio. No need to make this a video. No need to make this a live stream. I'm not sure who'd suggest that. Definitely not necessary. I have to say, it is interesting to see uh, Schworf back here on the server and on the Q&A. say I ever knew that he was British, but I guess that makes a lot of sense. Because a lot of British people whatever reason, kind of dunk on my comics regularly. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's just because my comics are so gosh dang American. And, you know, a little friendly banter between Britain and America and the like. I don't know. 
it's it's pretty interesting to hear from Britain and how different it is driving on the left side of the road with your driver's seat on the right. And it must be pretty wild. But then again, I do live in the same country as Texas. And I mean, if I went down to Texas, I, I'd, I'd be like, what world is this? Just light fires in their houses. And they're just like, yeah, we'll stay warm this way. Good job. Anywho. That's like a year old at this point. Surely this winter, I'm sure Texas will be prepared. Right? It's been the, this week's Nicholas Comics Q&A. off, smash mouth. Discord server today. I'll answer any questions you have, and you can appear in the next episode. Do you want to buy Nicholas Comics? Write to Nicholas King, 1424 Columbine Street, number 1, Denver, Colorado, 80206. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you on the next episode. Yeah, you've got the plug. Yeah, you've got the plug.